This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The opinions expressed in this episode are not to be construed as medical advice. Welcome to Demystify Beauty, a weekly podcast about creating transparency in the beauty space. I'm Mackenzie Westmore. And I'm Dr. Paul Massif. And today, um, we get to talk about a very interesting topic, facial feminization. Yeah. And my friend for many years, Dr. Ross Clevens, who practices, he's a facial plastic surgeon, just like I am. Uh, and, you know, there's a few of us, not me specifically, except for maybe a, a nose or a facelift, but that really focus on the trait of surgery in regards to facial feminization. And again, it's really specific techniques. And it's very interesting when a patient yeah. comes in and they're transitioning and now how that whole process goes. Yeah. Like compared to the old days, you know, when it was a lot harder and you have to go through um, a lot of psychological testing and all kinds of things. And maybe it's still the same. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But everyone, please welcome Dr. Ross Clevins. How you doing, buddy? I haven't seen Good you thanks. since. You know, Hi. wait a minute, what meeting was it Miami or where did we, was we talked uh, about, we talked, um, we, well, no, we I don't know uh, where it was. It was in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. Right at the Boca Raton Hotel and Club back in, uh, back in the spring. Yeah. And and that's where I found out that you guys married a Tara. <laughs> that you is know, true. We are, Tara and I are happily married. You know, and, and <laughs> it was probably going to this Tara. Well, it's interesting. So we have all these medical meetings for many years and it will go to and we lecture and teach and we were just at a meeting and I saw Tara. Tara is someone I've known for years and she's in different businesses of the met of the plastic surgery vets. And now she's in a very, you know, wonderful, uh, um, I don't want to use the word advertising, but media where you use artificial intelligence and stuff. And right. yeah, it was interesting. I saw them together. And I said, <laughs> you know, I kind of was wondering. And then I found out they're married. I've known her, you know, for so many <laughs> years. I probably have known yes. her longer than you. <laughs> uh, so anyway, true. you know one thing that I didn't know about? And I didn't know that you do that type of surgery. I know, you know, we have our buddies in Boston. We both right. know, and actually, I think you're even doing something. Yep. Yep. Business Jeff Spiegel. Yep. And uh, I just guessed that, by the way, because I, I, I know you and I, you and I were talking, and then he and I were talking. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. But besides being an incredible uh, uh, surgeon, you're also, you know, an incredible kind of all-around guy. But I didn't know that you were in the facial feminization until my CEO, Alice, told me. Right. All these years, right. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know. So I've been in practice in uh, Melbourne, Florida for 25 years now. And uh, a few years ago, we started to see some patients who were undergoing a uh, transition, a lot of uh, male to female trans patients who were interested in uh, facial feminization surgery. So really, in many ways, facial feminization uh, requires specific techniques, but in many ways, it's an extension of uh, traditional facial plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. you, you know, so when I, we talk about that, because I know you did your training 
at Michigan. That's when I remember you. Yep. I think. Yep. Were you and I the same year? You actually came to interview for Shan Baker's fellowship while I was the fellow. So you so were two. Yes, okay. yeah, so, so I you gave were you a tour. Years. Yep. I yes, gave you a tour too. while you were visiting Ann Arbor. It is that funny. That just yep. shows. Yep. So I've known you for that long. Um, and now look at us. We're kind of, um, well, actually, I'm getting a lot more gray than you are. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, but um, so, you know, what's interesting, what I want to do briefly first is describe some of the procedures, but the ones I'm going to focus on, you know, because they already know, we've already talked about, you know, since I do a lot of no's, you know, facelifts, that's, that's standard for feminization. But in general, besides that, from the eyebrows to the chin to the thyroid cartilage. Can you tell us some of the main features of these procedures? Yeah, that's exactly what I, I want to know the main features and what is the most difficult of those main features to do? Well, I'd say a couple of things. You know, as you know, Paul, in facial plastic surgery, aesthetic surgery, there are certain uh, characteristics of the ideal male face and certain characteristics of the ideal female face, the shape of the nose, the shape of the brows, uh, the shape of the lips and the jaw. So in performing facial feminization surgery, we're really uh, creating ideal female aesthetic facial proportions in the trans face. And studies have shown that there are really three areas that are of uh, key defining uh, characteristics. And those are the brow, the nose, and the lips. Yeah. So those are oftentimes key areas that we would focus upon in facial feminization surgery. So the male brow is, is traditionally straight and horizontal and lower whereas the female brow tends to be a little higher, a little more arched laterally, as well as the bony rim here. So when we operate upon the upper third of the face, oftentimes we're shaving down the brow bone, we're wow. advancing the hairline down, and then we're also changing the shape of the brows, trying to create a more uh, feminine as well as more youthful uh, shape and contour, both to the soft tissues and to the a bone of the upper third of the face. Uh, of course, Paul, you do a lot of rhinoplasty, and I'm sure when you're performing rhinoplasty surgery in a male patient versus a female patient, you have in your mind different aesthetic ideals you're trying to achieve. The, the shape of the tip, the rotation of the, sh of the tip, the shape of the bridge. So in performing uh, facial feminization or gender confirmation rhinoplasty, where uh, creating those female aesthetic ideals in the trans patient in facial feminization surgery. Do you also have to work on the jawline, the Adam's apple? Very much so. So a common procedure, in fact, I did one yesterday. Wow. Uh, the, the Adam's apple is a, is a dead giveaway yeah. uh, in the trans patient. So there are techniques where we can shave down that Adam's apple uh, the thyroid cartilage and create a smoother contour and profile uh, to the neck. And that, as you said, Mackenzie, is really a, uh, a dead giveaway and a significant area of concern for many of our gender confirmation surgery patients. Wait, can I just ask, because I've got two professionals here right now, 
why do men have an Adam's apple and why don't women? Maybe I'm asking a stupid question, but I just crossed my mind. I was like, I need to know the answer to this. Well, gee whiz. Uh, <laughs> I believe that as the uh, testosterone surge occur occurs during puberty, that cartilage is sensitive to the testosterone, the male sex huh. hormone, and there's growth or overgrowth of that cartilage. How does that sound, Paul? Does that sound believable? You know what? I got to tell you, of all these years, I've never been asked that question. And, I can't, and I can't even recall when we were actually going through our genetics we're going through anatomy. And I'm trying to say to myself, what the heck? But it sounds so beautiful what Ross says because, you know, cartilage, usually there's a lot of bone formation that is different. Bone formation um, mm -hmm. and soft tissue. But thinking about it, you know, the cartilage, like in the notes, usually is wider, thicker. So it's cartilage. Um, <laughs> and, the, and this, again, is Dr. Clemens mentioned is cartilage. And there's that. The little piece that comes out hornier, which is different than women, huh. um, in, you know, it calls to the shape. Again, remember, this is all bone, the shape of the right. jaw, especially the width of the mandible. But that's such a darn good question. I don't think I would have come up with, which it sounds like it's probably about right. This whole I like thing that answer. Testosterone. That's a great <laughs> it answer. It works for me. You know, let's, let's Google that. Let's yeah, let's Google it. <laughs> but I'll take it. For now, I'll take it. <laughs> so I'm curious, Dr. Clemens, what is the most difficult? Like, what has been the hardest surgery for you to really kind of work with, the longest, um, you know, when you are dealing with that feminization? Well, that, that's a great question, Mackenzie. Many of these uh, facial feminization, gender confirmation surgery patients will have the whole ball of wax, the whole transformation performed right. in a single procedure. So wow. it's, a, it's a long case where we're addressing the brow, the nose, the chin. As uh, Paul said, oftentimes reporting facelift surgery, deep plane facelift surgery as part of the gender confirmation wow. surgery. So it's really working with that patient's anatomy and uh, really trying to create the, the face that they feel that they should have been born with. Great point. Right. So the patients feel that they were not, not only were they not born in the body that they mm -hmm. feel that they should have had, but they were not born with the face that they should have had or deserve to have. And that's what we're trying to accomplish in gender confirmation surgery. Exactly that. We're trying to confirm their gender uh, as part of facial feminization or gender confirmation surgery. Uh, number one, what is the process before you do this nowadays in regards mm -hmm. to any workups before you learn? Are there a whole, you have already, I assume when they come to you, they've already been there, done that, but our own oral treatment, HRT, everything. You know, so is that correct? Number one, and two, someone, a, a young person comes in who wants the whole kitty caboodle. What is your age and why? Yeah, but you'll do that on the earliest, the minimum, yeah, the minimum age. So, those are a couple of great questions. So, all of the patients that we see have been undergoing this transformation for three to five years at least. They've always felt uh, uncomfortable in their face and their bodies, but for the last three to five years at least, they've been undergoing 
counseling. They've been undergoing analysis. They've been undergoing uh, hormone replacement therapy. So when we first see them, uh, their skin texture has changed. Their uh, hair pattern has changed. So they're well along the route. In terms of surgery, uh, oftentimes facial feminization or gender confirmation surgeries may be one of the first procedures that they have. Uh, there's also, I don't perform this, but we do in our practice is what's called top surgery. So male to female patients transitioning will have breast surgery. Um, so facial feminization is often the first stop along their surgical journey. As far as age range, you know, interestingly today I saw uh, five transgender patients in follow-up and they ranged from 28 to 72 among the patients wow. I just saw today in my office. Wow. We tend not to see patients much younger than let's say their 20s because again, they've been undergoing counseling, hormone replacement therapy and so forth generally for at least three to five years before we see them. So pretty wow. much really in the early 20s if you had picks if what you say, but, but again, Generally. they've already been along that route. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, because you know, you and I always get questions, consults, and maybe a little difficult situation. Patient comes in who's 18 years old. Now an adult doesn't need, you know, any permission from the parents. And they come in and say, I want a feminization myeloplasty or maybe a bone contour with a coronal and the eyebrow uh, lift. And they're 18, and they really haven't been down that road yet. So they're coming backwards a little bit compared to the normal protocol. Right. They're coming first to you before hormone treatment and even before any of the other whole, you know, other workups. What do you do in that situation? Well, you know, as surgeons, it's incumbent upon us to be responsible. And uh, at least in my experience, in my opinion, surgery is, is not and generally should not be the first stop along a patient's uh, transformative journey. So if, in my practice, if I saw an 18-year-old patient who had not been through counseling, who had not been through uh, hormone therapy, we have counselors, social workers, other physicians that we work with, I would make a referral for that patient to uh, investigate this transformation uh, separately before embarking upon surgery. Got it. Thank you. I expected that, of course, but that's a, a great point to say. Uh, Mackenzie. Now, you mentioned something that I, I thought was interesting because I've always known about the forehead, the jaw, the typical areas, but you mentioned the lips. Yeah. Now, is that surgically a lip lift that you would perform, or are we talking lip fillers? Very good question. Oftentimes, a lip lift is an integral portion of facial feminization surgery. You know, the, the male lip is, is long, this white upper lip is long, the lips are thinner, the female lips are fuller, more voluptuous, have a shorter distance between the nose and the lip. Ah. So a subnasal or bullhorn lip lift is oftentimes a key procedure as part of facial feminization surgery. Interesting, that part I didn't know. Now, do you perform, um, this is a quick little topic, but we'll talk about this because this has to do with aging face surgery, same time as rival. 
Do you perform open rhinoplasty at the same time as a bullet worn lip lift? I do perform open rhinoplasty at the same time as the bullhorn lip lift. I have wow. done hundreds of them and not had any uh, surgical complications or problems related to healing. So I routinely perform them together. And just for anybody listening, with the lip lift, it is the incision is up in the nose, correct? Correct. The incision runs underneath the shadow of the nose and uh, is hidden in the uh, crease underneath the nose. That's correct. Got it. How yep. interesting. Yeah, because, you know, the thing is the blood supply, you know, from the septal lip incision usually is not affected in generally by the blood right. supply that's, uh, you know, attacking the nose. But the interesting thing is sometimes when we're doing this, and this is a little bit more scary, but I've done this before, um, we'll do, because the cuts are rail with nostrils, but we'll also take some of the size, the width of the, nostrils called alobase reduction right at the same time as a monoplastic at the same time as a lip lift a little bit scary yeah. because you're worried about the blood supply yeah right at the base of the nose where the distance between the two incisions you know right and that blood supply really is doing from inside out you know it requires okay. a little bit of uh surgical planning and creativity in terms of creating your incisions. But in my experience, they can be safely and routinely performed together. Now, I got a question, and this couldn't be for both of you. Um, maybe it's stupid. I don't know. I Nothing just ask things. I just ask them. Dr. Nassif knows. I just throw it out there. You got it. Uh, but I, I got to know, do you ever see the opposite do you ever have women coming in that want to be more masculine because they are also transitioning oh, sure. do you ever see surgeries where and and how do you approach that oh sure we see patients that are transitioning from male to female as well as patients that are transitioning from female to male and i would go back to what i earlier stated there are certain aesthetic proportions and certain okay. aesthetic ideals that define the male face or the ideal male face and the ideal female face. So again, if a patient is transitioning from female to male, right. uh, we might look at those characteristics and, and surgically transpose male characteristics onto that female born face. Now, how would you go about that? I'm so curious because good, when you're, yeah, when you when you're talking about a feminine face, you've got to build out a jaw, you've got to make a heavier brow. So, um, and and an Adam's apple. So, I'm just curious, how would you go about that? There are surgical uh, implants that can be used ah. to augment the chin. That can be used to augment the jaw. Wow. Uh, with rhinoplasty, you could build up the bridge of the nose. I'm sure Paul has some thoughts on this to create a more masculine appearance to the nose. Uh, the, the eyebrow shape mm -hmm. can be changed. The brows can be dropped or reshaped so as to be uh, wow. more horizontal. So sure, yeah, those. Uh, and would you uh, build out an Adam's apple too? I have not had experience <laughs> building out an Ad Adam's apple, but that's actually a great idea. <laughs> well, there you go. There we <laughs> go. With it, Dr. I learned something new today. We're going <laughs> to yeah. have to come up with an Adam's apple. I'm going to keep an implant. eye on you now, and I'm going to see if you do it. There yeah, I was, I, was, I, was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking that. Okay, how are you going to actually, you know, take some, uh, uh, you know, some uh, hydroxyapatite or something, which yep. is called calcium. Uh, I mean, we, we use different products, Mackenzie, right. to try to add on 
the other example, or to sit there and, uh, you know, add on the brow to make it thicker and it coming out. I mean, this is so fascinating to me because I do have friends that have transitioned from male to female. I don't know anybody that's transitioned from um, female to male. So that's why I was I was curious on that side. And the surgeries I've seen, they are beautiful. I mean, your work, obviously, it's it's stunning and it's 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 gorgeous. Um, you know, you, you, I, the friends that I have, they, they already had a feminine appearance and they, they knew they were born in the wrong body. So it, this, when they underwent surgery, it just was, it just made sense. And it just, it made them feel better. I am curious, have you ever had a patient that turned around and you did amazing, beautiful work, but they realized maybe this was not the direction they wanted to go in? Very. We we have had patients with uh, gender fluidity, uh, patients on whom I have performed facial feminization surgery, and then at some point, a few da- a few years down the line, they transition back to a wow. a male gender identity. Uncommon, but I have seen that. And do you perform another surgery? Then have you had that? I have not had the occasion where I've reoperated upon a uh, male to female, back to male patient, but I have had patients that have transitioned uh, their identity. Interesting, very interesting. So I guess another, what's something we do have on our list, so far is I don't think we've asked anything on our list, (laughs) Uh, but what is the most memorable surgery that you can think back on that that really warms your heart, makes you happy? You know, uh, I have so many patients that have truly been so grateful uh, for my participating in their transition. Uh, it's, it's a group of patients, patient population, that's generally very pleased with their surgery, but they're not only pleased with their surgery like so many patients are, but they're pleased that we've helped them in their gender identity tra- uh, tradition, uh, transition rather. So it's a very grateful, uh, pleased uh, group of patients in my experience. I love that. I mean, because that's that's what I've seen. I, the, the, like I said, the friends that I've seen go through it, it is it is nothing but happiness, joy, tears of joy because they are finally living their life the way they they always felt they should be. Yeah. So no, thank exactly. you, Doctor Clevens, for <laughs> helping so many through that. Oh, of course. I'm so curious. How, if somebody is doing the whole kit and caboodle, how long is that? If the patient's doing the whole kit and caboodle, uh, oftentimes that can be a, a six to eight hour surgery, perhaps longer. Wow. So it's a major uh, outpatient surgical procedure. But again, patients recover quickly from facial surgery and even with a complete uh, facial feminization transformation, most patients will be back to work and. 10 to 14 days, two weeks Wow! with, with some hair and makeup. Yeah. That's just fantastic. Okay, I was going to say you're in Melbourne where most of these patients live in Miami. So Melbourne, Florida is located due east of Orlando. So we're basically the beach town of Orlando. So we see a lot of patients from Orlando, from central Florida. We'll see patients from points north, uh, Daytona Beach, New Smyrna Beach, as well as some patients from, uh, you know, further south for Lauderdale, Boca Raton, uh, that area, as well as from Melbourne itself. But we draw from more of the metropolitan areas closer to us. And Melbourne is on the water? Uh, Melbourne is directly along the east coast of Florida. Uh, we have Kennedy Space Center, SpaceX, all the space shots go up from uh, 
Melbourne, Florida, from our town, our Very county. Cool. I just had a total brain fart, and I'm thinking I'm hearing Melbourne going. Wait a second, what time is it there? <laughs> <laughs> Melbourne, Melbourne, Florida, not Melbourne, okay, Australia. Whoo! So I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so I got to ask, you know, what what are some of the biggest lessons that that you've learned throughout your career that maybe you wish you'd known before? Good question. Some of the biggest lessons I've learned. Um, you know, every patient is different. Every patient is unique. Every patient brings a unique set of experiences and uh, worldviews to the table. And uh, we're trying to help them along their journey in life by addressing uh, some things that might uh, concern them or make them feel better in their own skin and feel better with themselves. Now, I don't know if we talked, we, we brought it up earlier, but I don't know if we really um, got a, a solid answer on this. So I, I apologize if we're repeating ourselves here. Do you ask every patient to go through any sort of psychological process before going through surgery, or is it just we're going through with this and we're doing it? No. Um, every patient that I see in my practice has already gone through uh, psychological, they've social, yeah, they've, all, they've all gone through got that. It. So my office is not their first step on their journey. Got it. Got it. Now, but if anybody has <clears throat> not gone through that, do you require them then? to go through uh, any? We do. If a patient has not undergone uh, therapy and counseling regarding their gender identity, uh, we work with a team of practitioners that we would refer them to. That's fantastic. And what would you say is the best advice that you have for patients thinking about plastic surgery and, and feminization? Well, you know, uh, all of the patients that we see for facial feminization surgery are patients that have been thinking about this surgery for a long time. They've known oftentimes from a very young age that they're just not living in the right body. And yeah. when they come to us for surgery, they are uh, determined and uh, it is a well thought out decision. It is not a uh, seat of the pants sort of decision for the yeah. patients in our practice. So I do have one, one more question. Sorry, Dr. Nassif, I have so many questions. Oh, yeah. No, please. So have fun. because <laughs> I, don't, I love this because my friends have all the ones that all, all my friends that have gone through this surgery, most of them have been 30s, 40s, even uh, I would say almost 50s, which breaks my heart because I, I feel that so many times I hear from my friends, they, they did not start living their life until middle age. And, and that's so sad to me because I feel everybody deserves to live their life from the get-go. I'm just curious in your practice, what is the average age? I know we said a span, but what is the average age that you see? The average age patient that we see in our practice is in their 30s and 40s. So it's the same. Um, yeah. But we've seen patients uh, as old as you know 72 making these life changes. Oh. And as I said, some patients in their 20s. And as you said, wow. imagine going imagine to 70 years, imagine, yeah, yeah, living a full life, 70 years of age and in, in the wrong body, the wrong yeah. face, the wrong identity. Yeah. yeah so it's an honor heart. to be a part of those patients' journeys. I love that. I, I love what you do. You know, I love um, what I do as well. Yeah. I mean, let's listen. It's all, again, what we do, the, the surgery is the fun part of it. Ross, uh, I will tell you, that getting this information out, especially kind of more of a 
36,000 feet overview while this is done mm-hmm. was fantastic. Um, yeah. Because, you know, folks want to know. Yeah. My last question for you is, if you're going to do a face on these patients, are you doing anything different than a traditional, I don't know what type of, what type of facelift do you do first? I perform a deep plane facelift. Okay. Just like I do. And that's yeah. why Shan, though, had that dual or that um, dual Triplanar facelift. Triplanar. Yeah. I, remember, I remember that from the lectures. I remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're talking about, by the way, the guy he trained with was um, very good friends with um the gentleman who got me interested in facial plastic surgery, Carl Eisbach, oh. University oh, of New yeah. Mexico. That's right. So they were good wow. friends and both used to run. Yep. And that's why I met Shan Baker. Who I think he's retired now, right? Shan is retired. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Um, the reason why I remember Shan is from that one lecture, different type of a face. Shudu, I remember... Um, Shan from, of course, you know, his incredible reconstruction books. Three, which I do day in and day out, is even though it's popularized more from uh, Dr. Tasman, he was talking about the dice cartilage glue grafts that I use the notes, fibery glue, dice cartilage. And I've now done thousands. Um, And so, you know, it's interesting. So the doctor that Dr. Uh, Clemens Tramwick, you know, wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, you know, kudos to him. I'm glad he's enjoying his retirement and uh, uh, doing stuff like that. But so we want to thank you now. The next step on this would be if our folks listening. Yep. Tell us about your website and your social hand- handles. Uh, yeah, how do they reach us, you? How do they reach you? So we're located in uh, Melbourne, Florida. The website's uh, com. You can find us on Instagram at Clevens Face and Body Specialist or at Ross Clevens and uh, on Facebook as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us and, and enlightening me and everybody listening and watching, I know. Well, yeah. And what about you? How do we find you, Ms. McKenzie? I am at M Westmore, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter's Mackenzie Westmore, no E. Uh, I joined Threads. I don't know if you have Dr. Nassif. But no. <laughs> I am not yet. I'm, not. No, I'm, I'm still learning all these. I do know that I'm on TikTok now. They, yes, you know, I have TikTok also. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I've seen some of those on yours. Um, and mine's uh, Dr. Paul Nassif, Dr. Paul Nassif. Nassif, uh, let's see, Nassif Medical or Nassif uh, Skincare? But yes. Dr. Clemens, it was great seeing you, my friend. I'm sure I'll be seeing yes. you at, um, God, when is our next meeting? Is it Vegas or I, where? Or I'll, I might or, see you in Miami in November, if not Miami in November, Vegas in November. Yeah. You guys be, better come see me. I'm in yeah. Vegas now, so no, I want to meet you, Dr. Well, Clevens. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll both be I'd in Vegas, to. our American yep. Academy official plastic meeting. You're going to go. I'm going to be going to August to San Diego instead of the global aesthetics and as I go to I okay. do that meeting. So I run the nose portion of it. So thank you very much, my friend. Thank you. Please give Tara a love. I will. And, uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you all for everyone listening to the Mystify Beauty Fair. Not 
Thank you all for listening to this incredible podcast of Mr. My Beauty, which is, of course, on YouTube. And uh, where else can we find besides this on Instagram and stuff? Where can we? I, mean, I know we have our Anywhere. You can catch us anywhere you like to listen to your podcasts. Maybe it's Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcasts. You just type into Mystify Beauty. Yes. Okay. Good. Especially be sure to as... subscribe, like. Oh, yeah. You have to subscribe or like this. Because, you know, it's fun stuff. We are great talk. It is. We do. Everyone have a great afternoon. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Demystify Beauty, produced by Gotham Production Studios. If you have any questions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram at demystifybeauty or email us at demystifybeauty at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. See you next time.